right now. Uh, <clears throat> have a great, great day today with our People Progressing podcast with a, a really good friend of mine, uh, Walt Weiss, who's just a super, super individual. And I'm uh, going to go through some stuff about how he grew up, what he thinks about being an athlete nowadays and, and leadership and, 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 and those things. And Walt, thanks for being on with us. And uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you grew up, what you did as a kid, what you remember most as a kid and those kind of things. Sure. No, good to be with you, Joe. Um, yeah, I'm a long way from, from home, from where I grew up. I, I grew up uh, right outside New York City, um, about 30, 35 miles northwest of, of the city. And uh, kind of a small town feel, you know, uh, even though we're outside the big city. And um, born and raised there and, and, and until I took off for, uh, for school at North Carolina, University of North Carolina down Chapel Hill. And that was a bit of culture shock for me, you know. Back then, Joe, a lot different, as you know, uh, than it is for these kids these days. These, these days, these kids are traveling all over the country, playing against kids from from uh, other states. And uh, heck, when I when I grew up playing, I don't I don't know if I ever left my hometown to play, you know, or, or your or your your own county. Um, so going from New York to North Carolina was was quite the move, but. Um, I tell you what, I love my time at North Carolina. We had we had some really good teams, played with uh, some really good players. Some of my best friends to this day are, are guys I, I played in college with, um, and that was that was uh, that was a game changer for me, to be honest with you, because I was I was really a late bloomer, Joe. I mean, I, I went down to North Carolina about oh five nine, one hundred and fifty pounds, and um, you know, really, really started to mature down there and played under Mike Roberts for three years, like I said, on some really good teams. And, and uh, that's really where I, I started to make some strides and, you know, end up getting drafted after my junior year, though. But, but it was, uh, I had a long way to go when, 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 I, when I showed up in Chapel Hill uh, from New York. I had a long way to go. And, uh, uh, you know, Mike, Mike Roberts uh, and, and, and playing in North Carolina gave me the opportunity to get better, you know, great facilities, great competition. And that's really where I, I started to, to, to make some headway. Now, when you were growing up in New York, you played more than one sport though, right? I did. Yeah. I played, um, I played basketball, I played football um, and I also ran track. So I, I played, I played four sports. Um, it's, it's virtually impossible these days, but uh, I, I still encourage kids to be multi-sport athletes if they can. Um, it's just in the demands of, of each sport are, are almost year-round these days, so it's, it's tough to pull off. But uh, I do encourage that uh, whenever uh, the family asks for advice. I just think you, you develop a lot of different skill sets doing that. And, uh, you know, the and you develop a different mentality, too, when you're having to uh, compete in different sports. So... Um, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's great if you can do it, but, um, uh, yeah, so I, I stayed busy, you know, how, how it was back then you played whatever sport was in season. And you were, um, in leadership positions in your sports, you were a quarterback in football, the shortstop in baseball. Um, you ran track and you were part of a relay team in track that did very well mm -hmm. and so forth. What, what kind of development did that help with your leadership skills playing those positions in those sports i think when you're in you're in those those prominent positions uh on a team it comes with the territory you know um 
obviously as a quarterback, I think um, <clears throat> that speaks for itself. I mean, you're, you're, you're in the huddle and everyone's looking at you and you're, you're, you're the guy directing traffic. And, you know, to some extent, uh, the same thing as a, as a shortstop, you're, you know, people say he's the quarterback of the infield. So I think you're, you know, like it or not, you're kind of, you're kind of forced into a leadership role and, uh, you know, it, it took some time for me. I think I, I was, I was, I was a very quiet kid. Uh, you know, like I said, I wasn't a big kid. So, you know, it's not like I showed up and had this presence. Um, I didn't. So I think early on, especially I, 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 I led through my work ethic um, and the way I competed, you know, I, I, even as a manager, I told, I told my players when I was with the Rockies, I, I said, uh, you know, I, I expected every player on the team to be a leader, whether it was your first year or your 10th year. And I said, you know, leadership shows up in a lot of different forms. And you can, you can be a great leader without saying a whole lot. You know, you, you could be a guy that leads, like I said, through your work ethic and, and the way that you compete, the way you care about your teammates. Um, that wins a lot of people over. And even as a a first-year player, for example, at the major league level, you can lead that way. And, uh, you know, uh, the guys that have been around, you know, 10, 12 years, those are the guys that usually, you know, call a team meeting if, if, if need be or, or say something, you know, they've earned that. They've earned that, uh, you know, the, the ability to do that. But, um, yeah, I, I, expect, I, expect every, I expect that every player on, on my team to be a leader in some way, shape, or form. And how, how do you think that can translate to the business world as well? Do you think it trans it goes straight over? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't, I don't think the principles change at all, Joe. I think, um, you know, baseball or, or in sports, I, I think, you know, because you're, you're in competition, uh, you're in direct competition. Now in the business world, it, there's competition also, it may be uh, somewhat more indirect, but um, you know, on, on, on an athletic field, you, you, your, your nose and nose with the opponent um, and you get a chance to compete. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, it all comes down to, um, you know, respect and trust for your teammates, a care for your teammates, whether it's in the business world or on, on, on a team. And that's, that's how you win people over you and, and you, you win them over with being authentic, um, being honest, you know, one of my one of my uh, one of the things I I always uh, try to remind myself of when I was managing, because when you're managing, you have, you most of your conversations are tough ones, Joe. You know, as, yeah. as you've been a coach most of your life, and and a, a lot of those conversations, those one on ones, are, are I'm calling someone in my office. It's usually not a, a real comfortable conversation. So, um, you know, it, it was more important to have clarity then that we agree, you know, when, when you're in a leadership role. So clarity is, is, is critical. And to have clarity, you got to be authentic. You got to be honest. And you got to be willing to have those tough conversations, whether, you know, you're, you're, you're in a business world or, or you're on a team. And I always look at it when I had those tough conversations, I always started out by saying, I have to be honest with you because I owe that to you. Mm -hmm. And I, I call them my, my I statements. Um, I care about you and I want you to be the best, but I have to be honest with you. This is where you're at. 
And mm-hmm. I think those those kind of statements really go a long ways in, in, in those type tough conversations that you're talking about. Absolutely. You know, I, I think um, when it gets down to it, if, if you are honest um, and you, you, you do speak with clarity and, and you, you know, the, the person you're talking to is clear about where you're coming from, they can respect that. I mean, they may not initially. Um, like I said, the, the conversations are tough and some people are wired differently. Some people take it personally. Um, but, you know, that's on them. And, you know, if, if you're if you're being honest and you're being respectful and they have a problem with that, that's something that they got to sort through. Um, and that happens. But uh, I think more times than not, they get to the point where they do sort through that. And there's there's the respect has not been lost. And I, I have this too, and I'll get your feelings on this. I, I thought as, as a baseball coach, and this goes in the business world as well as a leader, the hardest thing that people don't understand is when you make decisions, let's say, for example, when you make up the lineup, I always say this, that the top four guys in your lineup are happy. Uh, the five, six, seven, eight, nine are happy to an extent, but they all think they should be hitting one, three, four, one, two, one, two three, four. And then the other guys who aren't playing, they're kind of pissed. They're kind of mad. So yeah. how, how did you deal with that? You know, because I always say that every decision you make as a leader impacts people in a negative and positive way. The one, three, four hitters, they're, they're happy as hell, but the, the mm-hmm. guys who aren't playing, they're kind of pissed. So how did you deal with that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's, that's real. Um, you know, and, and, at the major league level, you're, you're, you're messing with people's livelihoods. I mean, that's how they earn their living. So they, you know, it, it's, it's easy to take that personally at times. So again, I think it comes down to communication, Joe, you know, there has to be clarity. And if, if a guy is confused about what his role is on a team, it's the manager's uh, responsibility to, to, to paint a clear picture for him. Now, at the same time, you don't want to demoralize, uh, uh, you know, your teammates or the guys that are playing for you as a coach. I mean, I, I always tried to encourage guys. I didn't try to, I didn't, it's, it's not to the point of sugarcoating it, but you, you, you do want to, I think it's important to encourage people um, to keep going because uh, look, I mean, professional sports is, is, is a bit of a ruthless business. Yeah. And so uh guys are under a microscope and they, and there's pressure to perform every day. They don't, they don't need to feel any added pressure from their manager. So I, I always thought it was important to encourage them, but also be real with them. Um, and Hey, look, you know what, they, they, this guy and this guy, they're ahead of you. They're ahead of you right now. Um, you know, you need to continue to work hard. You're, 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 you're getting better, but uh, your, your time will come, just be ready. But I always, my, my go-to line was always, I said, you got, you, you got to keep your mind right. Because once your mind starts to wander and you start to give in to some of the distractions and start to feel sorry for yourself, it's probably not going to happen for you. So you got you to keep your mind right. And that's usually what I told guys when, they got, when I had to send them out to, to back to the minor leagues, Joe. And that's a tough conversation. Yeah. You know, some guys see it coming, some guys don't. And you know, but my usually before they walked out the door, I always made a point to say, "Hey, man, you got to keep your mind right. Don't don't let your mind get away from you because you got to get back here. And if your mind's not right, you're not going to get back here." It's so powerful, and it's and it's so true, and it shows the empathy that you had for your players as well. I think empathy is a huge thing for for leadership. And 
because I, I, you know, your last year of playing, Walt, um, you guys had a, a young shortstop with the Braves that come up and kind of started playing mm. a little bit more than you. So you kind of had a, a feeling of what players go through when that happens. Is that true? Exactly right. Um, I remember it well, Joe. Yeah, Rafael Fercal, who's a heck of a player, had a tremendous career. Um, he was he was he was the up and comer, and, and he, he was going to be a star, and we all knew that. And I, I had, it was my 14th season in the major leagues, and I I knew it was, you know, I was getting ready to to head off into the sunset. And I remember to this day having a conversation with Rafi in spring training, because um, you know it, it can be awkward. It can be awkward for the guy that's been there and the new guy coming in. Everyone knows that he's he's taking your job or trying to anyway. So there, there's an, there's an awkwardness there at times. Uh, and there was a language barrier with, with myself and Rafi too, uh, that I had to get through. But, but I remember having a conversation with him and just saying, look, this, 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 this is your position moving forward. I'm on my way out. You're on the way in. I'll do whatever I can to help you. You're going to be a, a, a great player in this league. Um, I'm here for you. I'm not here to, to, um, you know, get in your way or be an obstacle. This, this, this is going to be your future here. So uh, let, let me know how I can help you, you know, and, that, and that's how I kind of got through that awkwardness of, 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 of uh, you know, a guy trying to take your job. And, you know, we're all on the same team. We're all, we're all shooting for the same thing. So I think it's important to, you know, get the elephants out of the room. You know, you know what I mean, Joe. I, I don't like I don't like the elephants sitting in the room. I think it's the most the, the most important thing is is to confront those elephants. Let's let's dive in a little bit about you as a as a player and your mindset. Um, I know you got drafted out of high school in the tenth round. Decided to go to North Carolina. You mentioned how much that helped you and shaped you and stuff going into North Carolina. And then you were drafted in the first round, very high by the Oakland Athletics and stuff. And what? What was it like going through the minor leagues for you in terms of mindset? Because there's a lot of failure that goes on and there's a lot of pressure being that high of a draft pick. So what kind of a mindset did you adopt there? Yeah, I always feel like my mindset was, was pretty good, Joe, as far as um, competing. Um, I always competed very well. And I think, you know, my, my, between my work ethic and, my ability to compete and my mindset in competition. That's what, that's what really, really got me to the level that I was at. I mean, I, I, I was never expected to be a first round pick. I mean, um, even, even the year of the draft that year in 1985, which was an unbelievable draft, uh, right, right up until about the couple of weeks before that draft, I was, I was, I was not a, I was not a first rounder and I, and, and, you know, I remember right before the draft reading things, you know, back then we had to go to, you know, Joe, and I'm talking about, we had to go to like Baseball America or, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, 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 those news, those newspaper. Uh, uh, so I, that, that's, that's where you got your information. And um, I remember them saying I was a sleeper, you know, meaning that I wasn't really on the radar. And as we got closer to the draft, my stock was rising, <clears throat> but I think, um, it's not that I don't think it was that I wowed you when you saw me play. I, I think I could always defend and I could, I could throw and I could run. Um, but you know, the, the, the bat was always a question, but it was a different game back then. It was, it was a different game, Joe. They, they, you, you want a defense from the middle of the field and uh, you got your offense from the corner guys. Uh, obviously the game has changed a lot. Um, 
But, um, you know, going back to the mindset, I mean, I, I think that's, that's what helped me raise my stock. You know, I think um, uh, Coach Roberts in North Carolina really vouched for my mentality and my work ethic. And uh, when scouts asked about me and, and uh, um, you, know, I, you know, some people describe me as a blue collar type player, which to me was a compliment, you know, but um, I, I wasn't going to wow you with my ability on if you saw me play one day, but I think, you know, I was, uh, you know, I've heard people say I was an acquired taste, you know, it took a while to appreciate maybe some of the things uh, I did on the field, but um, I think I, I, I contribute most of that to my mentality uh, because I wasn't, I wasn't six, three and, and 210 pounds, you know, I didn't hit the ball out of sight. Um, I took, I took a lot of ground balls every day and I practiced really hard every day. I, I, was, I was one of those guys that embraced practicing the game. So when you, you, you know, you've worked with some of the, and coached and managed some of the elite players of the game. And you've also seen a lot of players that have probably had elite talent almost as much talent maybe as some of the elite players in the game today, but never mm -hmm. made it. And I attribute that. I mean, there's, there's a tons of guys now that throw 92 to 95, just like in the business world, there's tons of guys that come out of Harvard, Yale and, and so forth that have a hard time making it. Um, it it's, it's a mindset with those guys that separates them. Would you agree with that? hundred mm -hmm. <clears> percent. You know, when I was working for the Rockies, Joe was a special assistant. I would take, tours around the minor leagues and, and work with certain guys and just really evaluate the players that we had down there and report back to, uh, to Dan O'Dowd at the time. And one of the things I would say to those players um, before I left town is I would get them all together and I would, say, I would talk about exactly what you're, you're saying, Joe. I'd say, look around, guys. Because they all, they all want to know what, it, what, it, what they need to do to get to the big leagues. I don't know how many times guys come up to me and said, hey, well, you know, what do you think I need to do to get to the big leagues? I mean, I heard that pretty much everywhere I showed up. So I would get the guys together and I'd say, look around, guys. With the exception of about, you know, I call the, the, the two or three percent in the game that are just freaks. And they're going to get to the big leagues, whether they like it or not. You know, they're just yeah. that talented. Uh, with the exception of those guys, most of these guys are, as far as talent, they're, they're very similar. You know, some guys do things better than others. But, you know, when you look at the total package, most of the guys in the minor league level are pretty similar ability-wise. Um, and so I would say, how, how are you going to separate yourself from the rest of the pack, you know, because if you're, if you're all fairly similar, how are you going to separate yourself? And I said, you do that with your head and your heart, you know, um, how you think in competition and, and your heart, you know, how, how, how much you want it and how much you're willing to sacrifice to get it. Um, that's how you separate yourself. It's, it's, if it was easy, anybody could do it, Joe, it's not easy, but, but um, it's, it's a, it's a total commitment to, to being the, the best version of yourself. And that's what it takes 
you know, obviously you have to have the talent to get your foot in the door. But like you said, Joe, it, it, it becomes, a, it, at the end of the day, it's a mindset. It really is, you know, and can you grind through the failures that are inevitable in, in our game? Um, you're, I always tell guys, you're going to get embarrassed, you're going to get humiliated and you, you, you're going to get exposed in this game to the point of embarrassment on the field. I mean, it's going to happen to you. And if, if, it, if it's never happened to you in the game, you just didn't play long enough. So are you willing to deal with that and get through it and move on and, and get better from it? Or is it, is it going to crush you? You know, a lot of it comes down to that. Um, and I think that's what, what you're talking about, the guys that, are, that had talent that didn't make it, Joe. I think that's, that's one of the X factors. I really do. I just, I just think that guys, how do you deal with failure? What are you going to do with, with that failure and that embarrassment, the humiliation even, um, on, you know, in front of everybody on, 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 a, on a baseball field? You know, can, can you deal with that? And can you get better from it? Yeah, and I, I look at it, I tweeted out the other day in baseball, um, the, the big saying in baseball is it's a game of failure and how can you deal with failure? And I think the way you look at it is if a guy is successful three out of 10 times in baseball, they're going to get paid millions of dollars at the major league level. And I look at it as the guys who are successful at the major league level can look at the seven times that they failed as opportunity to get better, the mm -hmm. opportunity to learn and get better. They don't let that seven times of failure crush them. They have the, they have the mental fortitude to look at it as this is an opportunity for me to learn, grow and get better. So looking at that failure as opportunity is probably one of the ways that helps people overcome and have that mindset to make it. Yeah, I, 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 that's critical. I mean, you can't make it if you don't have that mindset, Joe. And I think what's important is because in the game, you're always being compared to other players. Uh, you, even yourself, you compare yourself to other players, people that are evaluating you on the outside are comparing you to other players at your position or, or whatever it may be. I think it's, I think it's important to have the mindset to always compare yourself to who you were yesterday and not to others because it can be demoralizing and it's, and it's, it's a bit out of your control. Uh, the ability of others is out of your yeah. control. So don't get caught up in that. Show up to the field every day trying to be better than you were yesterday. And I think if, if, if you have that fine-tuned focus, that's where you start to make strides. Uh, you, it, 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 any, other, any other mindset can be, becomes a distraction. And when you said, you said a little bit ago, to get the players to be the best versions of themselves, you're not just talking baseball there, are you? No, because like I said, the freaks, they get to the big leagues because they're, they're, they're uber talented. Um, the other guys, if you have ability, but you're not a good teammate, you don't respect other people. You don't, you don't perform for the team. You may get there and you may, you may even stay there for a minute, but your, your career is not going to last very long. Um, the concept of team, if they don't embrace that and look, it, it, it's 
as a manager, Joe, one, one, one of my biggest challenges was trying to drive home that team concept. Because let's be honest, whether we win or not as a team, if you're playing in the big leagues and you put together a, a fairly lengthy career, you're going to make a lot of money, whether you win or lose. Now, I used to try to convince my players if the benefits of winning to them personally, you're going to make more money, you're going to stick around longer. Um, you know, if it's fame that you're chasing, which is way overrated, but some guys do, you'll be more famous if you, if you play on winning teams. So if you have a winning mentality and you're a winning player, you play on winning teams, you're going to all those other things, the money and everything else, the fame, the long career, that's going to be a byproduct of winning. But when those priorities get get out of whack is, is when players' careers get sideways. So you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it take, obviously takes a lot more than talent. You have to embrace the team concept. You have to be willing to perform for the team. Um, and the guys that don't, unless you're one of those freaks, they get, they get weeded out. Let's have, let's have a little bit of fun here. What was it like playing – on those Oakland A teams that were so talented like that, you yeah. guys had so much success. What was that like? I tell you what, Joe. I mean, I, I couldn't have had a better situation to break into the big leagues. Um, again, with with uh, which was what was arguably uh, the best team in, in the major leagues at the time for about a for about a, a five or six year run, um, and I got to play under a Hall of Fame manager and Tony Larusa. And I, I, I learned so much right away as a young player at the major league level, because I was around a lot of veteran players. Um, I was one of the few young players on that team. I mean, Mark McGuire, I think was in his uh, second year. Um, but for the most part, we're talking about guys like Carney Lansford, you know, uh, Ricky Henderson, Dave Henderson, Dennis Eckersley, Dave Stewart. Uh, we're we're talking Tony Phillips. We're talking, we're talking about, some salty veterans and it was sink or swim for me and those guys I mean those guys were hard man back then it, 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 things have changed I mean I think it's it, it, that that changes even you know we see it in sports we see it off the field you know and and some things for the better but but you know there, there's a there's a bit of an entitlement that I see these days that what that that went around back then yeah. You know, they, they got in your face and, and, you know, their, their, their favorite go-to line was, you know, don't mess with my money, you know, cause if you get into postseason, obviously there, there's money for everybody involved. And, and so, uh, you know, if you weren't taking care of your business, that's what they would tell you. They'd pull you aside, get your face, say, Hey man, you're messing with my money. Let's go. And, um, uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm grateful that I got to break in under those circumstances. And I, and I had a manager who was tough. Tony was, Tony was extremely um, competitive, very, very intense. Um, and so, you know, there, there, you didn't get any slack, especially as a young player, because um, you had to keep up, you know, and I think I, my, that learning curve I think was lessened because I, I, I was, I, I was with that group and with that manager um, where I better, I better get it right or else, you know? So um, it was, it, at, but at the same time, it was a lot of fun because we had, we had personalities, you know, I mentioned Ricky and Dennis Eckersley, um, 
Jose, you know, we had some guys that were great players, some of the best players in the game. And, you know, it had, they had some personality too. So there, there, there was a, there's a lot of good stories that, that they, they, they come out of those, you know, my six years there in Oakland. Um, but what a great, great time to break into the major leagues and what a, what a great team to do it with. Well, the mental toughness that you had to have to handle that pressure as a rookie is, says it all to me. I mean, that, that, the mental toughness. To yeah, that, that pressure. When I look back on it, I'm like, man, I, I'm not sure how I got through that. You know, the quick story here, Joe, I, there, there was a couple times in my rookie season where early in the game, we'd have a tough first inning or, or you know, a tough first or second inning. And we'd come running off the field and Larusa would meet me on the top step. And he would just belittle me in front of the entire team tell me I wasn't ready to play. And I, you know, and I'm, I'm completely caught off guard because I, you know, I, I wasn't even involved in any play or anything in, in that, in that first inning of the game. I had, I, I you know, I, I, I wasn't even involved. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, what did I do wrong? You know, and this happened a few different times. And um, one day I'm, I'm leaving the, the clubhouse after a game and I'm, I have to walk by LaRusso's office to do it. And I hear him yell, yell my name <clears throat> told me to come in his office and I went in there and he said hey he said you're not doing anything wrong when I when I when I get on you in front of the team he said I just felt like we weren't ready to play <clears throat> and I and and I pick you because <laughs> I was a young player he goes and you're you're the guy that 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 I I picked on a few times to to, to send my message to the rest of the team he goes but um you're not doing anything wrong so Okay, get out of my office now. <laughs> God, the pressure that you had to feel on that, especially with that team, was so good. Let's go into Colorado. Um, when you got to Colorado, tell us about playing in Colorado. Was, how, was it fun? Was it hard? You know, all I hear now is it's, yeah. it's a hard place to play and blah, blah, blah. But. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest with you, Joe, I mean, when I played there, we were a bit naive to all that stuff. Um, you know, as a free agent, I wanted to I wanted to come to Colorado because I came there as a visiting player in '93, uh, in their in the expansion year, the first year when they were at Mile High, and I was blown away by just you know the uh, the size of the crowd, how how the fans loved the team. I said, man, this would be a great place to play. And plus, uh, Don Baylor was a manager, and 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 uh, Don was my teammate in Oakland, so. I told my agent, man, get me over, get me over to Colorado, see if there's, you know, they, you know, there's an opportunity there and it, it ended up working out, but, but we, we were, we were naive, Joe, to all the, the effects of altitude. Now we felt it, but <clears throat> I think uh, our ignorance was a bit bliss back then because we weren't having to read about it all the time. We weren't having, you know, having to hear about it all the time. <clears throat> and I think uh, over the years, it's become a bit of a three headed monster. Um, you know, Coors Field, and I, I think it's it's worked to the dis to disadvantage. Where when when I when I managed there, I always talked about Coors Field when I got in front of our club and talked about it. I always talked about it being an advantage for us, and how it was a disadvantage for the opposing team. <clears throat> and I tried to I tried to I tried to create create an advantage as much as possible, at least with their mindset, um, because it's really defeating. He's got to play 81 times there, you know, yeah. in the course of a season. You better figure it out. Um, now, that being said, there, there are some unique challenges to play in there. Uh, 
going back and forth from sea level to altitude and the ball acts differently. That's, that's real. That, that is real. Um, you got to have mentally tough players. They're going to feel the effects of altitude. You know, there's just less oxygen. You, you don't recover as well. Um, you know, especially, particularly as an older player, you know, cause it, it, that's one thing when I got older as a player, I, I, I realized I just didn't recover as well as I used to. <clears throat> and you, you, you compound that with playing at altitude and, and that, and it's a factor, but you got to make adjustments, you know, and, and that's what players do. That's how players survive at the major league level is by making adjustments almost on a daily basis. And, and it's no different with course field. You got to adjust your pregame. You got to adjust, adjust your diet. Um, you just have to adjust some things. Um, now, when the game starts, you go out and, and let it eat and you compete. And, you, you know, you don't think about anything except the, the competition. But um, there are some things you, you, you got to change, um, especially as it relates to workload, pregame, in between games. Um, you got to get your rest. And, um, you know, we, we, were, we were well versed on all those things. Uh, the Rockies have really, uh, really uh, dove into the effects of altitude and the rest and recovery. They, they've, they've kind of beaten that horse to death, but they're, they're very in tune with um, what they need to do to, to overcome the, the effects of it. Uh, but, you know, it's still tough to do because, um, like I said, the, the ball plays differently there, and especially if you're a pitcher. Um, you just you 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 have to make some adjustments as a pitcher as far as where you set your sights with your your breaking pitches and that type of thing. So there's some unique challenges, but like I said, as a manager, I tried to I tried to you know turn the tables and and and, and try to make it an advantage for us. Yeah, it's always that mental toughness part. And it, you mentioned um, Don Baylor, and I think you uh, Bob Gebhardt was your general manager at the yeah. time. Is that right? What did you learn sure from those, those two guys? I know they're great leaders. Bob's a good friend yeah. and, and, and so forth. But what, what did you yeah. learn from those two guys in, in terms of leadership? Well, you know, you hear people talk about old school. Those guys were old school, man. I mean, um, and, you know, Don Baylor, I mean, Don had an impact on me immediately as a major leaguer. And I remember this, Joe, um, my first, my rookie year in big league camp in Oakland, was was Baylor's last year as a player and he was in camp with us and I still remember this well the first day of of the full team workout we go through our stretch early in the morning and after we're done stretching we're getting ready to go throw and get our arms loose and Baylor calls me over and he you know he, he puts his hands on my shoulders and and Don was an intimidating guy. I mean, he had, he had some presence and there was an aura about him and he was one of the most respected players I've ever been around. So for him to pick me out of, out of the stretch and pull me over, I'm like, uh Oh, you know, this can't be good. Um, and you know, he went on for about five minutes. I didn't say a word. I just nodded, but he, he told me that, you know, not to be, not to ever be intimidated when I got in the box. I don't care if, if Nolan Ryan's on the mound, you compete against him. And just because you're a rookie, you know, you're not going to get any slack about, you know, this rookie mistake type of thing. We're expecting to win here. And, and, and he kind of, he laid it out for me, but at the same time, like I said, he, he was encouraging me too. 
to be a part of this, uh, this team that could be great. And so I, I had a, a, an immediate respect for Don. Um, and then I got that, I got to come over and play for him, which, you know, it's just pretty unique when you, you end up playing for a manager that was your teammate, but Don was old school, man. And he, and he was, um, like I said, he, he had as much presence as, as, as just about anybody I've been around in the game. And, um, Geb, Geb was tough as a GM. I love Geb and I see him, I see him, uh, you know, he, he's doing some scouting now. He's still in the game. Uh, and, and we have some great conversation, but I, I, I even tell him now, Geb, man, you were ruthless as a GM, man. I said, uh, I said, dealing with you, I'd, I'd rather crawl on broken glass, but <laughs> I said, you know what, Geb, you're away, away from, away from that. You're all right. But, uh, so we have, we have a good relationship. Um, but, um, they were as old school as it gets. Well, I know Geb wanted uh, Don Baylor as his first manager. I know that for a fact that he, that was his guy. That was because he knew how much of a leader and how much of a presence Don Baylor did have. So uh, you got to play for some pretty cool guys there and Tony LaRussa and just some great leaders and so forth. It, it's really fun to listen to. Now, let me ask you this, Wally, because you've coached and managed at so many different levels from high school to all the way up to the major league level and so forth. What's, what's the main thing that you can bring to somebody who's a leader, a coach, a business manager, um, somebody who's getting into pro baseball, a high school coach, a leader of a company, a CEO? What, what's the one thing that you think is kind of constant in all of that? Yeah, you know what, Joe? I think um, there's, there's probably a lot of things, but <clears throat> the thing that comes to mind for me right away is you have to be authentic. Too many times I've seen guys, even even um, in baseball, where I've been around them as a coach, and then they become a manager, and it's almost like their personality changed. Um, now, there's no question that the demands of managing are different from 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 being on a coaching staff. But if you lose that authenticity, if 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 your message isn't real, if you get up in front of a group and they, they don't, they, they can't really believe what you're saying because it's not authentic. You've lost them. So no, regardless of how good your message is, if it's, if it's not authentic and it's not real, it's not going to resonate with the group. Um, and I know that, that, that sounds a little simplistic because, you know, people have written books on leadership and there, there's, there's probably a lot of other things that are just as important. But for me, that's what really rang true. Um, when I've been around the best leaders in the game, when I, was, when I spent three years around Bobby Cox and I spent six years around Tony La Russa and I, and I spent four years around Don Baylor, that was the common denominator. These guys weren't trying to be something else when they got, when they got in front of us. They weren't, they weren't reciting something that they read in a book um, they may have obviously gained knowledge from something they read in the book, but when they said it, it their fingerprints were all over it be because it was coming from them and it was real and it was authentic and it's powerful. Um, so like I said, Joe, that may be a little simplistic, but mm -hmm. for me, that that's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And that's what it means. That's, that's exactly what I want because we're doing a, a podcast here to try to help people, um, in their lives with leadership because I, I believe everyone's a leader I, I don't I think everyone can be 
can increase their leadership skills and so forth. But we all lead in different ways, you know, a father or a husband or, you know, whatever it might be. You're all you're always in a leadership position, I believe. Someone's always watching you and how you and how you act and and respond. Um, Give me give me one guy that sticks out in your mind as a player who was the ultimate player, the ultimate player in terms of talent, leadership, Mm. type of person he was, those kind of things. And I know there's a lot of them, so I don't want you to get in trouble by just saying one, but. No, there, 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 there's, there's, there's plenty. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the guys that come to mind right away. You know, I go from team to team early on and in those Oakland days, Carney Lansford, Dennis Eckersley, Bob Welch, um, a lot of people, some people may not know those names, um, but those guys, those are the guys I really learned from because <clears throat> they were the total package. They were great competitors. They cared about the team. They, they cared about you as a teammate. Um, you know, uh, my, my days w- with the Rockies, uh, it, it's no secret why a guy like Joe Girardi has become, has had a lot of success as a manager. Joe was one of my best friends on that team. Um, and we, we knew Joe was, was, we had a feeling that he would manage one day because he, he was, he was a natural leader. Um, you know, he, he was certainly uh, one of those guys, um, you know, in, in Atlanta, John Smoltz, one of the best I've been around. Um, <laughs> you know, he's on TV now and on the MLB network and you hear people talk about his competitiveness even now. He doesn't like to lose in anything and he's always been that way. And he's a phenomenal athlete. Um, you know, he's, he, he shoots uh, under par in golf. He could have went uh, to college on a basketball scholarship. I mean, to a D1 school, uh, one you know, the, the Power Five conferences he, he could have played in. <clears throat> Phenomenal athlete, but just a good human being, fun to be around. Uh, Tommy Glavin was another, was another guy, um, had, a, had a business-like approach to the game, but um, was a tremendous competitor, another Hall of Famer. Um, you know, those are the guys that, 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 that come to mind, um, immediately, Joe, even, even, you know, Mark McGuire is another one. I, I, Mark was a great teammate, <clears throat> a fun guy to be around. Um, you know, one of, one of my favorite teammates of all time. So I got to play with some, not only some great players, but some great people. Um, and I'm, I, I really am grateful for that, Joe. Uh, when I look back on my career, the things that I really look at is the, the people I got to play with, not only great players, but like I said, great people. I got to play in some really big games because I was on some good teams and I was fortunate to be on some good teams. I was around great managers. Um, so just really grateful for, you know, my career and, and, being in the right place at the right time and being around great people. That makes all the difference in the world. Uh, it's, it's awesome. And I think one of the things with all those guys that you just mentioned really was I, kind of going back to when we first started, I'll, most of, or all of those players that you mentioned were multi-sport athletes, were they not? Yeah. Um, especially back, back then, back Joe. Then, yeah. um, back when I played, you know, 
just about everybody on my team was a multi-sport athlete. Now I understand uh, things have changed. And, and like I said, it's difficult to, 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 to pull off these days. I think you got to have coaches that are understanding, um, you know, so it takes more than just the, uh, the desire to play mul multiple sports because the demands are, are so much more these days. <clears throat> but like I said earlier, I, I encourage it. I just think you develop different skill sets and a different mentality when you have to compete in different sports. Well, I'll, I'll kind of wrap this up. I don't want to take up your whole day, even though I could, um, I could sit here and talk with you all day <laughs> I'm, I'm, about I'm this stuff. Fun, Joe. This is just awesome. Yeah. Um, What's what's the next step? You you go back to spring training uh, with the Braves, and what are you doing now? Yeah, you know, once uh, you get past the new year, Joe, your that baseball clock starts ticking. So, you know, one of my responsibilities with the Braves as a bench coach is uh, I have to I have to put together I have to coordinate spring training, which was a challenge for me because I I never did anything like that before uh, this role with the Braves. You know, I have some help with some other guys uh, uh, logistically, but um, so my wheels are starting to spin as far as putting together the daily schedule. And it's, it's, it's uh, tougher than it sounds. You know, we'll have 65 players in camp. We'll have 25 coaches in camp and you got to have everybody at the right place at the right time. And you can't have any lag and, and, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be crisp and efficient. And it, it, it takes time to put together that. I know you, you've done stuff like that. You're you, virtually your whole life put together uh, lesson plans and that type of thing. So um, my wheels are already spinning as far as uh, trying to coordinate spring training. Um, I'm going to head, I'm going to head down to Florida probably around Valentine's day. And unless something changes with the, you know, this crazy uh, situation we've been in for, for a year now. Um you know, I'm hoping spring training doesn't get pushed back at all. But as we sit here today, we're on time. So I'm planning on leaving around Valentine's Day. And I think we have a staff meeting February 17th. And then we hit the ground running, you know, on the 18th with pitchers and catchers. And then a few days later, we'll go with our full squad workout. That's really cool. And I, I last thing, a little bit about your family. I got to coach one of your boys for a week. Um, and it was a joy for me to coach Bo. He's one of the greatest. And I mean this, he's one of the greatest kids I've ever been around. Um, I want to know a little bit about your oldest son and what he does. He works for a nonprofit. Is that right? I mean, he's out serving people on a daily basis. That, that, that's correct, Joe. Um, he worked uh, for, um, you know, basically a, a rehab center. I, I, uh, somewhat of a halfway house, if you will, down, uh, downtown Denver. Um, you know, he's since, uh, he worked there for a while and actually uh, was one of the managers there. He's since moved on because um, he got married and he's starting a family. And he's, he's, you know, there's a lot of, not, not a, a ton of money to be made yeah. in ministry. Now he's, he's still connected there, um, uh, but not, not, not as involved as he was, but yeah, no, we're really proud of him. Um, you know, he's, he's, He's a servant leader, which I think is the is the is the best type of leadership there is out there when you're when you're a servant leader, um, and uh, you know he 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 lives it uh, every day. And uh, even though he's not like I said, as involved as he was, but uh, uh, he he still has that that mentality. Um, so yeah, I'm proud of all my boys. Um, I got four of them, and uh, um, they're all good kids, and they're, they're all. 
you know, trying to carve out their niche, you know. Um, so it's, it's uh, I still have one in high school and one, one that's a senior uh, this year. And, and so we'll be empty nesters here uh, before you know it. But, um, you know, it's tough, as tough as uh, being a parent can be. And there's, 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 you know, a lot of, <clears throat> there's, there's, there's some pain that comes along with that, but there's, there's, there's joy like no other when, when uh, you have kids. And I got, I got four boys that uh, I get to, uh, I get to chase around and keep up with. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the, like I said, one of the, one of the great joys of life. Well, I know about your boys and I know one thing, I think you and your wife could do a whole podcast on, on parenting and how to parent because all your boys <laughs> Are, are awesome kids they're not just they're not just athletes they're great they're beyond that they're the no, real, they're the real deal and um means a lot and you are too walt i, I want to tell you that um you know when i first coached against you when you're at regis and i was at thunder ridge it was a little intimidating you know here's this major league all-star guy but you know you don't you would never even know that you played in the in the major leagues you're so humble and and so gracious with everything and um i just I, I truly um, am blessed to have you as a friend and I thank you for coming on with us today. And this is really going to help a lot of people with leadership skills and life skills and so forth. So I, I truly, truly appreciate you coming on with us today. Well, that means a lot, Joe. And I, I got to tell you, um, shoot, I look up to you with all the, um, <clears throat> all the things you've done and, they, and all the lives you've impacted uh, over the course of your teaching and coaching career. Appreciate that. Um, yeah. There, there's, you're, there's not many like you uh, that are willing to commit to that, and you've done it at the highest level. So, um, I look up to you just as much, Joe. So I I, I value our friendship, and um, I wish you nothing, nothing but the best, man. Well, thanks, Walt, and uh, best of luck with this season as well. Yeah, thanks, Joe. We're in a tough division. It's gonna it's it's not gonna be easy, but uh, we got a pretty good club, so you'll get them. It, it, it'll be fun. <laughs>